All right, in the book of Exodus chapter 9, if you might look there with me, we're going to look down in verse 16. What I want us to see this morning is the, the exodus, and when we say exodus, we should already think of the exit, right? An exit. God is going to exit his children from bondage in Egypt. He's going to lead them out. And he sent, he's sending Moses to do that. We've talked about that over the last several weeks. We've unpacked some different things about Moses and, and uh, how God called him and is anointing him and Aaron to go and speak to the Pharaoh. And the Bible tells us here the purpose of the exodus. Now, if I were to ask you this morning, what was the purpose? You, some of us would just say to bring God's people out of bondage in Egypt. That's the exodus. No, it was more than that. The purpose of the exodus was more than freedom for the Israelites. It was more than freedom for the, the people of God. In fact, we find the purpose of the exodus in Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. Would you look there with me? It'll be our anchor verse for this morning. There is a sermon outline provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Please do so. The Bible says, but for this purpose, God speaking to Moses of what to tell the Pharaoh. For this purpose... Say to the Pharaoh, I have raised you up. Why? To show you my power. So that my name be, may be proclaimed in all of the earth. That's the, that's the purpose of the exodus right here. The purpose of the exodus is so that God's power would be displayed and that his name would be proclaimed in all the earth. And it's still happening today because of what we read of the exodus. The Pharaoh was an ungodly man. He was unrighteous. He was anti-God. In fact, he set himself up as a God, and he felt he maintained the stability of his kingdom. He exalted himself, looked at himself as a great leader, and looked at himself as a God that was to be looked to and even adored. But God would use this evil ruler and his arrogant stubbornness to bring about God's purpose through the exodus in fact number letter A I should say in your outline letter A God purposed to use the exodus of his people from Egypt to prove his power and to exalt his name he was going to prove his authority and power and he was going to exalt his name it was God's plan that the Pharaoh would be stubbornly inflexible it would set the scene for God to deliver his people with great signs and wonders. Friends, the Lord's righteous judgment was an appropriate response to this fraud, this Pharaoh, who thought he was God and was in control. We, have a, you know, we know a lot of leaders in our day, even still today, there are these kings and rulers and presidents and, and, and you know people who exalt themselves and want the people to look to them as if they are in control and the Lord is revealing in his righteous judgment over this fraud wanting people to know don't look to this man don't look to any man look to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he wanted them to know that the Lord is God and he is God alone Pharaoh and the Egyptians the Israelites all all the known world at that time was to know by God's bringing his people out of bondage in Egypt that he alone is God and he would do this with his outstretched mighty hand over Egypt so here's what we see 
through the Exodus, we see a couple of things that I want to help you see today very, very quickly in a lot of verses. Through the Exodus, we see, number one, we see the powerful faithfulness of God's presence and his word. Through the Exodus, we see the powerful faithfulness of God's presence and his word. Just as we sang about already this morning, God is faithful. Do you believe that? I know sometimes in difficult times in our lives, it's hard to really grab hold of that and believe it. Some of us are going through real difficult times, as Kaya pointed out. Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize and see when we're in that waiting moment. But we must know that we know that we know that God is faithful. And he's going to demonstrate through the Exodus his faithfulness to his people. That his presence is there with them, even when they don't feel it like they think they should feel it. Even when they don't experience the way they think they ought to experience it, God is faithful to be with them. He's faithful in his word. In fact, Exodus chapter 7, so let's just turn back a couple of chapters there. In Exodus chapter 7, look down in verses 2 through 5. This is when the Lord is sending Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh to talk to him, to tell him to let his people go. But look what happens here. In Exodus chapter two, verse, or chapter 7, verses 2 through 5, He tells them, you shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of this land. Moses is going to go, he's he's saying, Moses is going to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But look what the Lord says, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This stubborn, wicked king. He's saying it's going to take a lot for him, for this ruler. It's going to take a lot for him to respond to the awesome power of God. And so he says, I will harden his heart. And though I multiply, get this, though I multiply my signs and wonders, if you're one to mark in your Bible or you're taking notes, you might just circle those words, signs and wonders, in the land. He says, I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even though I do that, he says, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Pharaoh's not gonna listen to you, Moses. He's not gonna listen to you or Aaron even though I will multiply my signs and wonders. And then he says, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Wow. He's he's saying, I'm getting ready to demonstrate my faithfulness to my people. They're going to see my, my power in this moment. They're going to see the power of my word and of my presence. I want you to recognize something. I had you circle that word or mark that word signs and wonders. You might write this down in your notes somewhere. Signs here speak of proof of God's presence. He says, I'm going to give you proof of my presence among you. And he does that in miraculous ways. And then the word wonders describes a special display of God's power. So he says, says, I'm going to give you signs, which is proof of my presence. And I'm going to do wonders among you, which is a special display of God's power at work among you, my power at work among you. But when you take these two words and you pair them together, signs and wonders, it means God's irrefutable acts. 
It means God is going to move in such a way that no one can deny this was indeed God. How many of you have ever had God show up in your life in such a way that people around you and even yourself had to stand back and say, no man can take credit for this. This was the hand of God. Let me tell you something. When God starts to move, when God is at work among his people, oh, hallelujah, when God begins to move and stretch out his mighty hand on behalf of his people, the world must stand in amazement and look and say, this must be a power that is greater than anything we've ever known. This must be the hand of the almighty God. I'm telling you today, God wants to move for his people like that again. I believe God wants to move on behalf of his people just as we see in Exodus and the powerful display of his, his word and his presence. I believe God wants to show up for his people again in that way. And everybody around us will have to look and everybody around this world will have to look and say, surely this was the hand of God at work with his people. I believe God is doing that and I believe God wants to do that again. It will be recognized as God's irrefutable acts and yet much like the Pharaoh and some of the Egyptians, there will still be those who say, I don't believe and I won't believe. No matter what God does, I will not believe. You see, God would demonstrate his power and he would show that Aaron and Moses were indeed sent by him through these awesome works that he was going to do through them. I want to challenge you to watch for his power. Watch for his word. Watch for his faithfulness in the plagues. How many's ever heard about the plagues in Egypt? Oh, that's a hard one to cover. And I'm not going to cover them all today, but I want, you to, I want you to watch for God's faithfulness. Watch for God's power. Watch for God's word in all of the plagues, 10 plagues that he brings on Egypt. Recognize also that even though these horrible, uh, these horrible uh, place of this land of Egypt, there was God's people that were captive there. There was this, yes, this terrible place of Egypt where God's people were in captivity, but God's people dwelt there among the Egyptians at times. And so God is faithful to protect his people from the destruction of the plagues that he brings on the land of Egypt. It's pretty awesome to see God's faithfulness for his own, taking care of his children. To kick it all off, you see in Exodus chapter 7, still there, look over uh, just a, a couple of verses there, and you'll see in like verse 9 and 10 and verse 11 that God tells Moses and Aaron, he tells Aaron, throw down your rod. We demonstrated that a few weeks ago, right? And the rod we threw down, he had, he had showed Moses that he would turn it to a snake, and we see that happen here. In, in Exodus chapter 7, Aaron throws his rod down, uh, and, and as he does, the Bible says it became a serpent. And Pharaoh's not very impressed. In fact, he summons his magicians to come, and they do the same thing. They throw down their rods, and it becomes a, they become serpents as well. Some think it was by sleight of hand. Some think it was by the, the you know, darkness, the evil arts that were practiced in that day, whatever. Uh, some even think they had a foreknowledge, a little bit of a foreknowledge and knew what was going to happen because Moses had shared the miracle and so they were prepared to try to emulate this miracle. 
There's a lot of different thoughts, schools of thoughts on it, but what I want you to know is by the power of God, Aaron's staff swallows up those other two. The, the, Aaron's, Aaron, the, snake, that, the, the uh, snake from Aaron's rod swallows up the other rods from the magi- magicians, which is stating to all those that are watching that God has all authority and all power. And he is the one that is in control. And so Aaron's rod swallows up these other ones. Incidentally, you might notice, if you don't know already, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, a New Testament scripture, uh, we have the name of these magicians, by the way. Did you know that? It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. These magicians' names were Janus and Jambres. I think I'm saying that right. J-A-N-N-E-S, Janus and Jambres. J-A-M-B-R-E-S, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. And get this, these are symbols. These names, these people are symbolic of those that are foolish foolishly opposing God's truth they're listed there in 2 Timothy 3.8 they're symbolic of people who would resist the truth of God's word and so we have the plagues wow I'm not going to go through all of them this morning but you see where there was water turned to blood there was frogs in the Nile oh by the way when, when all of the frogs took over in the land of Egypt it got nasty in fact God told them you're going to have frogs in your bed you thought that was just a summer camp thing, didn't you? Pranks that kids played on each other came from God. God, God put the, 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 he said, there's going to be frogs in your beds. There are going to be frogs in your ovens and frogs in your bread bowls. Did you know those first two, those first two plagues, the magicians emulated them as well, imitated those? Which, which is interesting because God had frogs as a pestilence come upon the earth as a plague upon the earth and the water turning to blood and all the magicians did was make it worse you would think if they had any sense of power if they could be looked to and trusted by the people of Egypt they would have made things better not worse all they did was emulate what God had done there's a lot to be said of that that I can't go into today the third one was the dust of the earth became gnats on both man and beast and arrogant Pharaoh still refused to listen, although some of his, his own magicians looked at him when they could not imitate this and they declared, this is the finger of God. God is at work among us. And, and, and the, magician, the, the arrogant Pharaoh still would not heed what was said. Then there was the swarm of flies. How many of you love swarms of flies? Those of you that camp up on the bighorns know about flies. Even down here this year, it seemed like there were more flies than ever apart. Uh, ever ever that I've seen before and I want you to know in verses 22 and 23 the Bible sets his people apart in that fourth plague of this swarm of flies God sets his people apart why God says so that you will know that I am the Lord there was a division between God's people and the Egyptians can I tell you this morning not everyone is the same and God doesn't watch over everyone the same he watches over those who have put their trust in him those that are his own much differently than those who would reject him and he watches it's, it's here he divides God's people from the people that are rejecting him not everyone is the same and the land was ruined Pharaoh says okay now you guys can worship here you can stay in this land and sacrifice to your gods and Moses says nope you're supposed to let us go if we worship here your own people will stone us for worshiping what they believe is a false god and we're not going to do it the fifth severe sickness, the fifth plague was severe sickness over livestock. 
It's interesting in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 4, there's a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of the Egyptians. What a branding. What a branding. These are branded by God. These are the Israelites and nothing can harm them. Nothing can touch them. Can God still do those kind of things today? You better believe it. My question for you is, do you belong to God? And do you trust him? The sixth was boils. Soot from the kiln became fine dust over the land, causing boils on man and beast. And by the way, in that sixth plague, God dealt with the magicians as they were covered with these boils. The seventh plague, heavy hail came on the land and, and killed everything in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where God's people lived, there was no hail to destroy both man and beast and anything, trees and plants and all of that. There was no hail there. The eighth was locust, and in that locust, they ate whatever the hail didn't destroy. They ate up everything. In the ninth plague, there was darkness over the land, so thick darkness that they could not even see each other. It was such a thick darkness, the Bible says, God told, told the Pharaoh, it would be such a thick darkness that it could be felt. That's what he tells him. You wouldn't be able to see each other, but the people of Israel, where they lived, they had divine light, even though it was dark where the Egyptians were. Can God take care of his own? You better believe it. God's done it for years, and he'll do it again. The tenth and final plague, I won't get into completely this morning, but we'll come back to it. God talks. God says, you're about to get out of here. I'm about to lead you out of here, Moses. And he says, not even a dog will growl against the people of Israel as you leave. There'll be nobody that stands against you. Not even a dog will growl against the people of Israel as you exit. This is what's going to happen. All the firstborn of the people and the cattle will die. The Lord wanted his people to know he makes a distinction between his people and those who reject him. He told them to apply the blood of a spotless lamb over their doorposts. And when the destroyer, when the death angel comes by over that house, wherever that blood is, they will be safe. God is faithful to his people. Look at your neighbor if you believe it and say God is faithful to his people. Listen, you might be telling somebody when you say that right now, praise team, would you come? You might be telling somebody when you say God is faithful to his people, you might be telling somebody that's got a really bad medical report. You might just have encouraged them that God is faithful to them. You might have just encouraged somebody in this moment that's struggling in relationships and they don't know what to do. You might have just encouraged them that God is faithful to them in their relationships. You might have just encouraged somebody right now who's struggling in their finances that God is faithful and he'll see them through. You might have just encouraged somebody with those simple words, God is faithful to his people. Somebody that's next to you might have been discouraged and by those simple, powerful words that you speak with conviction and passion from your heart, you may have just encouraged them. Keep trusting, keep moving forward. God is faithful to his people. He makes a way where there seems to be no way and he protects his people and everything and everyone, when, when everything and everyone seems to be against them, God protects them. God humbles proud kings who desire to be God. For no one compares to our living God. I want you to see the second thing that we see through the Exodus. We see in the, in the first part there, what we see in the Exodus, we see the powerful faithfulness of God's presence and his word to his people. 
But we also see the wonderful mercies of God in the Exodus. Wait a second. We're talking about plagues. We're talking about terrible things that God brought on the people, but we see the mercies of God, not only to the Israelites, but we see God's mercy to Pharaoh and even to the Egyptians. God could have destroyed Pharaoh and the Egyptians in a moment's time. And he told them as much. He told Pharaoh as much in chapter 9 and verse 15, right there beside our anchor verse for today. He said, in a moment, I could have just annihilated you. I could have just destroyed you. Before the seventh plague, he tells them, I could have, I could have wiped you from the earth and all of Egypt. But our merciful God did not. He could have brought about the plagues without any warning, but in most cases with these plagues, he gave them notice so they could do something about it, even the Egyptians and the Pharaoh. Because of his power and mercy, because of his signs and wonders, the irrefutable acts of God, we are told during the seventh plague that even some Egyptians began to take God's word seriously. In fact, look with me in Exodus chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the house, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the fields. Don't miss what's happening here. The, the, The warning was, the plague that was coming was any beast or any person in the field would be destroyed. And the Bible says that even some of the servants of Pharaoh heeded the words of the Lord. Because of God's power and his mercy displayed, because of his irrefutable acts, some Egyptians even went with the Israelites into the wilderness in the great exodus. Some of them believed God. You read that in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 38. The Bible tells us that a mixed multitude went with them that would include some of the Egyptians who who began to trust that this God was indeed who he said he was it was a mixed multitude that went with them and very much livestock both flocks and herds that went with them into the wilderness at the time of the exodus well that's the gospel the mercies of God are new every morning the same mercy of God is extended to all some will trust and receive and believe in the mercies of God but there are those who will reject the the word of God and his mercy next week for our water baptisms you won't won't want to miss that at 11 o'clock next week you're going to hear some wonderful testimonies you're going to see baptisms of those who have chosen to believe and receive the mercy of God in their lives. You see, there's always been receivers and rejectors of God's word, even from the time of Moses here, the time of the Pharaoh in Egypt. And we see that also in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. Look with me. The Bible says, speaking of Jesus, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Do you belong to him? 
Have you received him? Have you trusted him? Have you received his word? Have you received his mercies in your life? Have you believed him? Have you received him? Do you belong to him? If so, I think it's appropriate for us to give thanks to God for his mercies that are new every morning. For apart from his mercies, I deserve to be destroyed. How about you? Apart from his kindness and his mercies, we all deserve to be destroyed. But God is merciful and patient and kind. And we see that in the Exodus, even through the plagues. If you belong to him in just a moment, we're going to invite you forward to take communion with us as a church family. And uh, the praise team is going to worship with us and you're going to be invited forward to take the bread and the cup. You're going to be invited by ushers down the side aisles and you're just going to come right back here and go up the middle aisle. Don't turn around and go back the way you came. Come down the side aisles and go back up the middle and go to your seat. This is part of being part of the family of God. If you belong to him, we come to his table. We come as a family celebrating the mercies of God. And we come remembering the price that was paid for our salvation. Which I don't have a lot of time to go into this this morning, but, but actually our communion comes from what we see in this last plague. And we'll tie that in sometime down the road. For Jesus, on the night of the Passover, remembering the Passover, when the, when the death angel or the destroyer passed over those homes who had the blood of of a lamb, a spotless lamb applied to their doorpost. It was that same night that Jesus broke the bread and served his disciples. It was a time of remembrance, the, the blood of Jesus, the power of Jesus to rescue and to save through his power, his word, and his mercies. Our God is faithful.